Welcome to Damn Fine Commentary, the internet's only Twin Peaks podcast with a real-life Dave and Lynch. In this series, we'll be reviewing and chatting about each of the 18 parts of Twin Peaks Season 3. So as they say in the Black Lodge... Here we are. Again, I'm Phil Willis. I'm Nev Prasad. Hello. <laughs> we got to do it. You so had to do uh, it. We're going to persist with that, and we're going to be joined by uh, Dave Bluestein very shortly, the man from another place, who's going to give us a wrap up of part four of Twin Peaks: The Return. Take it away, Dave. Hello, it's the man from another place, and this is part four of the new Twin Peaks. It's got old friends, stunt casting, Michael Sarah doing Marlon Brando on a bike for five whole minutes. It's got everything. So when we last left Cooper, aka Dougie, aka Mr. Jackpots, who was still racking up the winds in a casino, he's dragged into the office of Supervisor Burns, who very politely threatens him, then sends him home in a limousine to his wife, Janie E, making it the second time in a David Lynch film Naomi Watts has taken care of an amnesiac with a large bag of money. Hashtag typecast. Meanwhile, Gordon Cole meets with Denise Bryson, who's now the chief of staff, at the FBI, played by returning cast member David Duchovny, and what follows is an awkward gender-shaming scene, which goes on for way too long, but is also weirdly stagey and makes several pointed comments about Gordon Cole, aka David Lynch's treatment of young female agents, and that despite her concerns, she trusts that he's going somewhere big with this. We all do, Denise. We all do. Back in Twin Peaks, Lucy nearly has a heart attack when the other Sheriff Truman enters holding an iPhone because talking about out of landline is witchcraft. Truman walks into a back room where the real police work is done. There's this whole other police station we knew nothing about, which includes Deputy Bobby Briggs, now a white-haired, serious-looking dude who's still holding a candle for Laura Palmer, and Chad, the asshole of the group who doesn't believe in the log lady, so he's clearly evil. We learn Cooper, presumably bad Cooper, visited Major Briggs the day before he died, and probably the actual moment he died, to be quite honest. And then... Wally arrives! It's Wally! They mention his name every few seconds. Wally! Wally is the son of Lucy and Andy, and it's basically Michael Sarah doing a Marlon Brando impression. Let us never speak of Wally again. Still kind of spacey, Cooper slash Dougie can see between worlds, apparently. And Mike, in the waiting room, holds up a gold pearl and points out to him that he's been tricked and that either good Coop or bad Coop will have to die. Cooper, on the other hand, still urinates like a racehorse, even if he can't take himself to the bathroom, hopping up and down and holding himself like some poor sucker on The Sims. Dougie's son, Sonny Jim Jones, gives him the thumbs up, just like the old dude from the original series, and Dougie thumbs up back. And Cooper comes down to have some breakfast. Tie in his head, suit several sizes too big, and there's pancakes and coffee, which Dougie immediately spits everywhere, but then says, hi! So there's something about the coffee that slowly brings bad the Cooper we know and love. Back in Buckhorn, Constance and her pals run the prints from the male body they found with the librarian's head, but they don't know whose they are because a military alert comes up. Cole, Tammy and Rosenfeld visit Bad Coop in prison, who's sounding pretty weird since he threw up all that Gorman Bozier. Like, you know when you're 16 and you think nitrous oxide is cool? He sounds like that. Albert and Cole quickly realise that it's not their Coop and that this is the bluest of roses. Albert also admits he gave Philip Jeffries the name of a spook in Columbia for Cooper, and it got the spook killed. There's someone Cole needs to take a look at Cooper, and Albert knows where she drinks. And then it's au revoir, Simone, and that's it for episode four. There we have it. It's quite the episode. Yeah, we're really well and truly into... Uh, this is the story of Cooper now and Cooper's mm. return. So and episode like, three and four really had that drive. And I kind of feel like some of those disparate threads that we were talking about, you know, a couple of parts ago are now starting to come together. Yes. Yeah. Is it any coincidence that Showtime released them all in one bundle like this? I mean, I don't know, for the tragics out there, can we just hand on our hearts say that we all just didn't sit down and watch all four in one big hit? Or how did you watch them? Did you space them apart or what did you, what did you do? Um, I... No, I, I did. I spaced them apart only because I felt my brain exploding after <laughs> two episodes. In a good and bad way. I wanted to I wanted to extend it and I wanted to mull over what it was. But, yeah, I was very, very tempted to. Um, so, yeah, one and two in one hit for me and then three and four over the next couple yeah, of Yeah, I did, I did the same and uh, partly because my brain was exploding but partly because, you know, four hours in one hit and uh, it's just way too much for any normal person. Yeah, and we all have grown-up jobs and grown-up lives. It's very hard... Well, I don't know. I'm only speaking for myself. It's very hard for me to... I can barely get one hour of uninterrupted time, uh, let alone four hours to binge it. And And you know what? I'm glad I didn't. I mean, I think I did probably one and a half or two hours in a single session. And then I think I stopped and then rewatched. Parts yeah. one and two before even progressing onto three. Yeah, and I did the same. And do you know what? Do you know it was so hard to not go onto the internet for like that week. Yeah. Oh yeah, I just went radio silent. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But but little did we know that there's so few spoilers. <laughs> it's like you go on the internet and it's just seeing thousands of people going. I don't know. I don't know. What is <laughs> My it? best guess is this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But yeah, so it's starting. 
it's coming together, but only in such a way as you say, okay, we're on an 18-part journey rather than it's all falling into place. Oh, I I don't feel like the threads are all being tied, but I can sort of, you know, I think a couple of weeks ago we were talking about non-linear storytelling and I feel like by no means is this ever going to be a linear story, but I feel like some of those elements that didn't make any sense and now starting to make a little bit more sense. Yeah, and I think in general, maybe even more so than maybe even the original Twin Peaks is that we have fewer side plots and distractions. There's really only one game in town is bad Cooper versus good Cooper. We know the rules. Two men enter, one man must die. And, totally. And so we know completely, look, in as much as we know anything about this series, at least I think we know the broad brush strokes of what the rules to this universe are. Yeah, see, I'm going to wait for like another five episodes, but you'll just turn it completely <laughs> Yeah, so I thought I knew everything about what the rules were. But yeah. But that's right. I mean, the, the, one of the real charms of the original series was who killed Laura Palmer, but then you've got the Catherine Martell and the Mill story and Benjamin Horn and Audrey Horn and One-Eyed Jacks and uh, Leo and Bobby and Shelley and all these different soap opera-style subplots. Yeah, and then Manny comes to town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's really by episode four that uh, I started thinking, okay, I don't see where, if if any of these are ever going to come back into it, and I'm sort of cool with that. This is now a different beast and it is the Cooper the Cooper story with little little side notes. Yeah, look, I think if you go back to episode or to season one, I, I agree with you. I think they all feel like disparate storylines and slices of life in a small American town. But I do feel like every character in that season had its purpose. Yeah. Um, and it might have taken a while for, to realise what their purpose was. I think maybe we've kind of come to the end game a little bit sooner in season three or in the return than I was expecting. But again, as I said, I'm waiting to have that completely turn on its head in like three episodes time. Yeah, but yeah. we've not we've not seen like the sort of the Nadine spin-off character where as best I can tell Nadine had nothing to do with the the disappearance of Laura Palmer or any of that stuff. Mm. It was just she was there just as a vignette of this is what small town life is like and this is the sort of the atmosphere that we bring into it and I think we've yet to see side characters other than existing side characters that we've already seen we've kind of yet to see those sort of not even B plots, but C plots and D plots. Yeah. Uh, you know that that made the original Twin, Twin Peaks universe so rich. And look, I don't mind. As you said, it's a different beast. It's a different show. So that's that's fine as well. Uh, I think, and I think the lesson in all of this is don't make any predictions. Yes, yes yeah. totally, yeah. totally. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's, let's all let's maybe that's yeah. it. We've got to go on the record right yeah, now. I know exactly what's going to so happen. Yes. <laughs> predictions, and we all look stupid in the episode. <laughs> exactly. Um, the one thing I will say is that the, probably the weakest part of the latter part of season two of the original Twin Peaks is that it didn't have a good, strong, overarching A story. That it was yeah. all it was all B and C stories. Well, you kind of. I mean, I think the thing was that it was the Winder Merle was supposed to be the the thing that strung it together, but yeah. it was a terrible story. Like, like I said, it wasn't a strong A story. And, <laughs> it, was, yeah, yeah. it had all the hallmarks of a B story, but trying to be the A story. But even that took six episodes or so for him to arrive in town after the end of the Laura Palmer. Yeah. So there was. They were they were searching and searching and searching and found a poor one eventually. Oh, mm. look! I actually think that just that part of season two was just an opportunity for a whole lot of other people to learn how to direct a TV. TV yeah, episode, there you like go. Dane well, Keaton. Like, Keaton. Yeah, there you go. It's just work experience. There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now we start this uh, part in. We're back to where we left off with Mr. Jackpot. He's now got his name. Hello. It's, it's it's a really um, it's a really lovely scene actually uh, or a whole sequence of scenes around you know there's the comedy of the hello and the you know obviously the you know the sort of the hologram of the of the lodge above each you know and I think in this episode we actually see the hologram over like pretty much every machine in the entire casino mm, yeah um but there's this really lovely interaction with the vagrant woman. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, she has no, I, I don't know how she's credited. I can't remember. But to me, she's vagrant woman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's like that's the kind of character that you expect to see in front of a slot machine or hugging a slot machine day yes. in, day out. Yes, yes. But just the look, absolute look of pure joy on her face when she finally wins a trick, not through her own doing, but through the benevolence of Cooper. Yeah. yeah. Whom um, she didn't, didn't originally like. In fact, no, she, she gave him the finger. Flipped him off. <laughs> hey. But now, buddy. now there is a superhero and his name is Mr. Jackpot. Mr. Jackpot yeah, is finally it's arrived. just gorgeous. Just the original gorgeous. American superhero. And, I, and, and to be honest, I think, you know, even though we were talking last part about how Cooper has kind of 
I suppose, been vacated or evacuated of all of those qualities that we grew to know and love in seasons one and two, you begin to see elements of those characteristics come back. And and one example is, you know, the way that he looks at Vagrant Woman with just sheer wonder Mm. at her Mm. joy of, of pulling a jackpot by his own doing um, is just just beautiful. Yeah, and I think we forget that we're you know we're sort of banging on about you know newborn baby Cooper um, as being this na- naive force in the world, but he always was a pretty naive force in the world. Yeah. Like his his wonder at what are these beautiful trees? What yeah. do you call this stuff? Uh, wow, that's the best cherry pie I've ever had. He's always had this weird, uh, not quite puckish, um, but like this boyish look at the world where everything is just wide-eyed and wonderful and I think that part is still shining through of this innocent boy uh, just wandering through the world thinking everything is magnificent. Yeah. Without the distraction, I guess, of, you know... A brain. A brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, there's no other way to put it, really. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing about... Uh, the start of episode four for me when I found out that he got us 21 jackpots I'm like maybe I've seen Robert De Niro's Casino one too many times like, why haven't they brought him out of the back and broken his thumbs oh, at this yes, stage? they're just yes. like pull out the hammer and a boom 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 yeah. how many jackpots yeah, yeah. I, I think we're going to see the, the consequences of that a little bit later yeah, yeah. Oh, we don't have to wait too long I don't think because doesn't he get he gets hauled up oh first he meets his old buddy Bill Shaker Bill Shaker yeah Bill and look, you know, there are two things for me that are notable about this scene. Number one is Bill's wife is called Candy Shaker. Oh, there you go. Which is just like, you know, if ever you're going to have a porn name. That'd be it. Candy that'd Shaker. be it. But also the, um, you know, Cooper, one of the things about Twin Peaks is this fascination with food, whether it's cherry pie or coffee or whatever. Mm. And and Cooper is usually the proponent of that. And we see him have this amazing fascination. Cooper who has no idea of who he is. You know, the amnesiac character, mm. um, a fascination with Bill's hot dog. Well, yes. I th- yeah, well, it even could just be something as simple as like um, he hasn't used the bathroom, which we uh, hilariously get to see a little bit later. He hasn't used the bathroom the whole time he's been. He hasn't eaten since he's been here. I think whatever higher body functions he's got, I mean, he can he breathe and his heart beats by himself, but he is not even attuned to the normal atavistic uh, things that you've got to do to take care of your bodily hygiene. No, I I, I, I think it's beyond that, actually. I don't think this is base need because he's got to fill his stomach because he's hungry. I think there is this part of Cooper is this uh, appreciation, almost sort of reverential appreciation for American food. Oh, right, so he's going for the hot dogs. Like Cooper's coming back, it's because of the hot dogs and the coffees of the world. There are things that are bringing him back into who he is or who he was. Yeah, yeah. I'll buy also, that. Also, is anyone else? Um, I felt like Bill Shaker reminded me of uh, Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, yeah, right. Phil? Yeah. Absolutely. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Um, well, the one thing he does mention, he drops uh, that uh, Dougie lives in Lancelot Court, which is just near Merlin's Market. Um, we know Mark Frost does like his. And all of the sort of the um, the Native American mythology and stuff like that. There's also a bunch of like um, Arthurian, King Arthur sort of mythology and stuff like that. Like the the Gladstonbury Grove is where the like the entrance to the Red Grove, Room, yeah. Glastonbury Grove, which is I think that's the legendary burial place. It is yeah. of King Arthur. The King yeah. Arthur was buried in England. Last <laughs> <laughs> time yeah. I checked. Yes, yeah. Mark Frost at least has some ties to that sort of Western mystical tradition as well as other experimental. Oh, and, and you know, if you sort of think about Arthurian legend, you think about the Knights of the Round Table and there were this this group of men that were gallant and valiant and, um, you know, lived by a very ethical code. I mean, that's pretty much the Bookhouse Boys, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. there you go, yeah. And they all meet and they all gather and they have the little... Meetings and whatnot, yeah. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, and it makes sense. If the creature that came out of Glastonbury Grove is manufacturing someone, mm. that that manufactured creature is going to gravitate towards Lancelot and Merlin Court and Yeah, maybe. Else, so. Or it could just be, you know, that crazy-themed part of Vegas where everything is <laughs> King Arthur. Because you, know, you can go to the King Arthur Casino over there and they got all the jousting and all that stuff. It's... Mental. They've got a friggin' pyramid there. But the other thing that's notable is obviously that, that Dougie lives in a house with a, a red door. Yeah. So, you know, red is obviously a very um, symbolic or a significant colour mm. in, in, the, in the Lynch universe, particularly in the Twin Peaks universe. Um, you've got the red curtains of the Black Lodge. Um, so, I, And I think that the red is obviously a, you know, it's, it's a doorway or a gateway to something. So well, much of this. One year. of the directors of the initial couple of seasons, one of the guest directors, uh, was s- setting up his set and 
Lynch arrived on set and sort of shut him down because he said, no, 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 there is to be no blues. Yes, I read that. Yeah, yeah, right. Wow. So there are no blues in, in the Twin Peaks. Apart universe. from the blue rose and the blue, blue whatever, you know. Mm. Yeah, if, 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 it, if a colour has a meaning, you want to use it sparingly so you don't wear it out. Yeah. yeah. The um, We have the worst casino manager in the world who takes Coop up to give him his winnings, $425,000 in a <laughs> sack, a clearly identified sack of money. Why yeah. anyone would leave a casino with a sack of money under their arm? I, no might idea. Might as well have the dollar sign. Oh, no, yeah. Like... Just, what does it just have Rob me on the back? <laughs> well? um, the... But he does the most uncharacteristic thing, other than the Robert De Niro, let's break his thumbs thing, which is one way of dealing with it. The guys just want all of this money. Normally a casino operator, the first thing they will do is whip your way off into a penthouse somewhere, get Sounds your Sounds like a lot of experience speaking. No, no, I'm not saying it's from experience. I've never been a, lucky enough to have that sort of treatment on me. But normally the idea is if you win a bunch in the casino, the first thing the manager's job is to keep you in the casino until all that money is back where it belongs in yeah, the casino. Back, back Especially the if they're like, where do you live? And like, I don't know. Like, well, until oh, you remember, yeah. why don't you stay up Stay with us. Exactly. Yeah. I can bring Jade back for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe this is why the Silver Mustang is a struggling off-strip casino yes. rather than... Maybe that's why I didn't realise it was in Vegas. Yes, yeah. that's, right. yeah. that's right. Um, but interestingly, you know, whilst this casino manager is doing a very poor job of berating Cooper, <laughs> um, he's completely oblivious in this chart in this beautiful childlike fashion that is going to actually take on quite... For me, anyway, it's quite some emotional meaning later on, but um, he just looks up into the CCTV camera just... Kind of fascinated, kind of oblivious, and I think we're gonna. I, I, I don't know. For me, my initial thought was it triggered. It triggered this sort of thought of either cameras as being portals or mirrors or something more significant than just this superficial. Hey, I'm kind of. I kind of don't know who I am, and I'm kind of just looking up into space. No, and, but we've seen it way too many times for it not to mean something. Even the even the vagrant woman, as you described her, was flipping the bird off, like giving the finger to the camera exactly. in the sky. Uh, we've had the cameras around the glass box. It kind of feels a bit Orwellian, right? This whole sort of big brother kind yeah. of, you know, look. Someone is... So, and I think there is... We might talk about this in another in another episode, actually. But I think between the cameras and the glass box and um, a few other sort of elements, there is this element of people watching. Well, like you said before, Sarah Palmer watching. And she exactly. was watching the TV and we were watching her watching oh, the TV. Watching and, and yeah. being watched, exactly. So I, 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 we'll, we'll follow this this line through if it, if it goes somewhere throughout, yeah. the, throughout the series. And we will never speak any of it again if it doesn't. No, that's, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. We'll pretend again, that we knew it's it something all else along. that I will not live down. No, this is clearly right. my role here. No, no. The um, he finally does get dropped home in a limo, nonetheless, and um, they're waiting to go inside, and we hear the first reappearance of what was an incredibly powerful symbol in the first lot of uh, Twin Peaks. I think we hear the first owl hoot. Yeah, an owl hoots and flies mm. overhead. And what is the, the limo driver says something like, "Oh man, those things they creep me out. I hate them." Uh, but but Coop has some sort of like a his eyes light up and he's sort of oh hang on what's going on here it yeah. triggers something just for a fleeting moment and then he returns to being babyishly catatonic <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know right. how else to describe it I think babyishly catatonic is the perfect way <laughs> there you go it sounds like a cocktail I'd like to drink actually can I have a catatonic baby please yeah but it, you know it was really interesting the way that that red door was lit up so you know we're driving through a street it's nondescript okay, or of course a red door is going to be notable mm. but it was almost lit up like uh, reverentially or you know like a, an icon in a church like the, the, yep. the lighting mm. around that red door was, was something else you're right and they sort of flagged it by saying it's too dark we're not going to see a red door yeah exactly and then when you see it red door yeah yeah, you can't yeah. not see it at that point. Yeah, um, he gets the rounds of the kitchen from his wife, Who, Naomi Watts. It's our first appearance of Naomi Watts. Wow, so big David Lynch uh, muse. And yeah, I'm I'm loving what she's doing in Twin Peaks so far. So far, she's great. She's uh, what so you mean based on like the sort of you know the 30 minutes you've seen of her in this part? Well, okay, um, based on maybe there's some spoilers of what's coming as well, but just I always feel. Like when when someone's in a David Lynch production, you can sort of get a feel from the very start whether they get it or not. And yeah. even when Naomi Watts, uh, Naomi Watts's character is doing some shrewish bullshit things, I I buy it from her a lot more than I'm buying it from. That's because um, she's hot. No, Christabel was hot. We established this last, 
last episode. It's not about the hotness. It's no. about that X, X factor. I'm being, no, no, I'm being thing. dismissive. I actually really am a very big fan of, of Naomi Watson. I think that David Lynch has sort of tapped into something in casting her in, in this and also previously Mulholland Drive. Look, what I found about, and I suspect this is going to change and evolve over, over the course of the series, um, and I don't think this is the last time we see her by any stretch, but, you know, her anger at her husband being away for three days... I found anyway is two dimensional, and I just, I, again, I think it's a deliberate choice. Yep, yep. But I, if, you know, my, my initial reaction was, oh god, no, not another David Lynch blonde that's mm. just a harpy wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah got yeah. the shits. Yeah, with a husband. Um, yeah, but I think there's something deeper than that, and I think that the fact that she doesn't notice that something is properly, properly wrong with catatonic coop. Um, oh, pa- indicates that he. This is not the first time he's gone off on a three day bender and come back. Yeah. Usually well, it's probably come back uh, with no money. Like, this is the first time I've actually come back with a sack full of cash. And at this stage, we, we don't know anything about how it's happened, but if you're in Vegas and your wife's talking about $50,000 as being owed and why are you going to call the people, Yeah, um, you can make some guesses as to what he's got up to in the past. And, yeah. and what I'm struggling with at the moment is if I think back to the last part in which Philip Gerard says someone has manufactured you... Mm. Or um, what did he say? Someone, someone has manufactured you for a purpose, but now I think that has been fulfilled. He's saying that to Dougie. Yeah. Now, clearly, Dougie's got a life around yeah. him. So I, at, th- at this point in time, I'm sort of wondering how much of that is manufactured as oh, well. Oh, you think maybe the wife and yeah. Sonny Jim are manufactured as well? I don't know. Well, I've, I mean, you know, the, the, the sensible, rational, linear part of me is thinking, well, if Dougie has been manufactured, but Dougie has a wife and he's got a child and he's got a house and he's got a life and friends, how much of that is manufactured as yeah. well? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, either he was manufactured because he could have been manufactured 20 years ago, in which case it makes total sense that he's lived a strange life, married to but then you're totally right because it's when you start saying, wait a minute, the child's name is Sonny Jim? Like, you start just going, this sounds sounds like a whole lot of bullshit. This is pretty hokey, isn't it? Yeah, and Janie E. Janie E. And the the next thing, they'll be living in a house that's got precisely two windows in the front and a chimney with a cloud (laughs) coming out and a bird in the shape of an M over the top of it. But notwithstanding the fact that, uh, you know, at least one thing is true to life is that no matter how angry you are with someone for leaving you for three days... You'll always change your tune when you see a sack of cash. That's right. Yeah, totally. Show them the money. <laughs> yeah. They don't care. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So this is more than enough to pay them back. You could, we could, this is the most wonderful, what did she say? This is the most wonderful, horrible day of my life. Yeah. And, yeah, Co- and Cooper exactly. says, my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I... I we can talk about this a bit later. I mean, at the moment, I think that, you know, sort of Cooper's night, you know, his this childishness, this this lack of, you know, the, the disconnect between an adult body and, I guess, an, you know, a, a child's or a baby's sort of sense of lack of sensibilities is, is very entertaining. I think at some point, I'm hoping that David Lynch does something with that and we take, we go on a slightly different emotional journey with that. Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't imagine... Wanting this to happen over the course of ten episodes because the drug's going to wear thin. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's already pretty thin for me. I'm over it. I'm over it. I want answers. Give me two of you. Well, maybe we need to go to FBI headquarters then. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we've got Gordon Cole ushered in by a guy called Bill or Will. I Bill guess. Henderson, who's played by Richard Chamberlain. Oh, that's oh, really? where I've seen his face. Right? Oh. It's Richard Chamberlain, oh. who I had a look. I've got to say, and I'm going to give my age away. I had a massive, massive crush on when he was on the in the Thornbirds in the 1980s. Oh yes, as the as the priest who sort of did things that a priest shouldn't do, but oh, um, priestly things, priestly things, <laughs> giving away your age and some fetishes. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You went to a Catholic school, didn't you? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say I did. Um, but uh, you know, and again, I think it's one of those, you know, the, the cast of this season of Twin Peaks. It's like 270, 217 credited people, and I've gone through in the first sort of six episodes, and I think there's another sort of seven or eight already that are uncredited. But you know, I think there's going to be a whole stack of famous people that just appear for a scene. Yeah. Oh, just, right, yeah, yeah. Just because, you know, they all wanted to be a part of this. So was Chamberlain thing. not gazetted as... Um... No, he's definitely credited, yeah. but, I mean, I, I, again, who knows what David... No, but David I mean, ahead of time, did we know that... We did. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, like, I, you know, he at this point in time, he seems peripheral. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. At best. Yeah. yeah. Although we did um, solve that problem with, uh, was it Paul? They had to get sent to the North Pole. 
Oh, yes. Did you get that? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we got that sorted out. He's in the North Pole. <laughs> That's so true. But we are holding off on the, oh, the money so- shot of the reappearance of Denise Bryson. Oh, yes. Oh. She hasn't now, aged a bit. She looks fantastic. Now, I. What are you You're not happy. You're not. No, no, no. You're, you're making some sounds. What's that yeah, about? Yeah, <laughs> I'm making the sounds of the. Where for all the times where I'll t- well I'll eat whatever shit David and Mark are yeah, shoveling up. Yeah. This is the one time where I'm like, oh really? I feel a bit let down by the Denise Bryson scene. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, with you, but you you tell you talk, tell. Well, me. I felt like um, I I loved the way that the character was portrayed in the first the first appearance in season two, mm-hmm. just because. Um, especially looking at it now where there is a lot more, more awareness of trans issues and here is a character that where it's just accepted. The first thing is we're going to accept you for you um, and uh, this start, felt like a bit of a regression from that mm. mixed in also with some what I thought was pretty poor writing. So mm. um, Bryson comes in and it's all, oh, we found Coop. Oh, we, and he's like, what? She's, she's like, what? What do you mean? You found Coop, and then the very next thing is I'm taking uh, Preston and and Albert with me to set, and then the character switches to yeah I know, and I just felt like well, well how did you know if you this, knew yeah. well, no 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 I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that Denise had heard that Coop was in prison oh really yeah 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 because I've, I've written this down here in my notes um, Denise has heard that Coop is in prison has also heard that Cole is taking Agent Preston with him Denise thinks that Cole's motives are less than honourable no shit. Um, <laughs> I, I I kind of agree with you, and I, I think, I, but I want to reserve judgment on that. If the only time we see Denise, by the time we get to the part eighteen, if the only time we see Denise Bryson is in this particular scene, I absolutely agree with you. I think it it be a, it's a travesty for for such an amazing character. But there's a couple of things here. Number one, a transgender person's chief of staff of the FBI. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, right? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. let's, let's look at our FBI today. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that's pretty forward thinking. Um, and also, not to what is it, chief of staff of the federal federal bureau the of federal investigation. federal bureau of investigation. <laughs> Doesn't that sound great when you say it all as one word like that. Yeah, I know. I love the, word, the fact that you used the word travesty. I won't bore you with the details of it, but uh, we'll put the definition of the word travesty on uh, on our website. Did I misuse it? No, no, you didn't. Use, you use it absolutely correctly. Oh, but uh, uh, anyway, I won't go into it now. Okay, it's of uh, Latin roots, and uh, it is to do with cross dressing. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can Thank see it. Teacher. There you go. You can see it on our website, <laughs> uh, daveandlynch.com forward slash part four, where all the show notes will be available. So, yeah, check but, that out. Sorry, you were going. I was going to say, I, I know, I, do, I, I feel like this scene, I agree. My initial reaction was yours, like yours, Lynch. Yeah, I did think I was, it was, I was unsatisfied by it. But I also think that if there is enough here in terms of where Denise, how Denise has progressed through her career in the, in the Bureau, um, but also I think there is an establishment of a certain relationship with Gordon Cole. I think there are very few people who can tell Gordon, yeah. you know, who can call him out on stuff. Oh, and yeah. I think Denise is one of the few people who yeah. can. Yeah. Um, and I, I think this scene sort of brings that out. So yeah, and it's, true. It's clear, and it's clear they've got enough of a history and they worked well enough together. Um, yeah. But, you know, could, could Denise have got her boobs a bit straighter? <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but we all could have done that. Hormones. There is, there is also bitch. that beautiful line that I think would work in many contexts in, in society, and that is fix your hearts or die. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I told those clown comics, fix your hearts or die. I'm just waiting for one of you to say, I, I'm going to put my notes in front of Phil, who does a great Gordon Cole impersonation. What are you there? There's room in this Federal Bureau of Investigation for more than one beautiful woman. It was just gorgeous. 10-4, good buddy. You need to say it louder. Yeah, that's right. I wasn't <laughs> shouting into the microphone. I'll, I'll, I'll spare you listeners for that. Thank you. Can, can someone explain to me why Lucy is so freaked out by mobile phones? Okay, I'm going back to, I'm going back to fanboy now because you guys are making sounds and I'm going to put it out there. I laughed my ass off, and I think it is delightful. I, really? Yeah, it, makes, it makes no sense. Of course it makes no sense, but, oh, fuck, it's fun to watch. Like, it's she fell off her whole chair, and then she went catatonic, and he's like, Lucy, you're so good at so many other things. Like, it's not just laughing at her. I mean, it is, but 
it's not saying she's shit. It's like she's saying you're wonderful at so many parts of this job. But okay, she can't get her head around mobile phones. Well, you know, we also had characters that thought you need silent drapes as the greatest invention in yeah, the world. Yeah, true. Or that the, their log was talking to them and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, I guess... Well, um, hang on a second. Let, let's not bring Margaret Lanneman into okay. into the same category of, of kooky, inane characters. She was kooky and inane. Like, before yeah, no, we no, she had a purpose. Yes, but before we understood her purpose, before we understood that... Yeah, she chewed gum and put it on the walls of the double R. Yeah, but. she was just this weird character until we actually developed some empathy and some and you know some understanding of what her situation was. Oh, I've always was. loved her. So Having I... said that, like, Lucy, we've had walkie-talkies for friggin' ages. <laughs> like, seriously, you must have had officers out in the field with walkie-talkies before. Like, what is there not to understand? Come she's on got now. a wireless printer sitting behind her. Surely she's... But, but the, you're just missing the, the <laughs> okay. feeling of not just seeing that reaction, but the look on Robert Forster's face is like... I couldn't stand outside any longer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's not Lucy that has brought it. It's, it's actually it's Robert scene, Forster's well, reaction. It's, the, it's the scene, it's the beauty of the whole thing, and I just pissed myself laughing. And well, the other thing that I also want to know is why the hell is Lucy freaked out by the mobile phone when right behind her is this room that's got this modern police equipment and, like, a dispatch officer and... Yeah. Forensics and... Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, so. I think that they Unless that, she doesn't go into that no, room. No, she doesn't yeah. go into that back room. She doesn't know about were, that. Were they all there in, like, seasons one or two? There were, like, <laughs> 11 extra stuff. Well, no, it's really interesting, right, because I went back and watched some of the old some of the old episodes. So, you know, in the old episodes, the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department really comprised of Harry S. Truman, Andy Hawk and Lucy. Yeah, you saw yeah. some peripheral kind of other sheriff department staff, but they were kind of un- extras that didn't have speaking parts. Yeah, this is the first time they actually see people in the de- sheriff's department that actually have a role. Mm. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. They've all the, all the they've got the, all the bells and whistles back there. They've got the machine with flashing and lights on it. And maybe people that are not from Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Well, maybe. I mean, it's a reminder that. Um, Twin Peaks, or if you're a sheriff, again, this is me guessing at America, the American justice system, but I'm pretty sure sheriffs are all about a county, and a county is pretty massive. It's not just a town or a city. Oh, right. So it's a pretty wide area that they're, that they're covering. Except mm. in Twin Peaks, because Deer Meadow, which is the neighbouring town, which is where the Fat Trout yeah. Caravan oh. Park is, had its own sheriff's department. Oh, you are right. Yes, okay. So mm. so in the Twin Peaks world, a, a sheriff is just the, this tiny little area. Yeah. Um, a little segue, a little tangent. Um, I When I visited the town of Snoqualmie where this is all filmed, the I'm sheriff... I'm still so jealous it, is, it was so awesome. Anyone that is ever imagining a, or planning a trip to the northwest of America... Um, or Canada, actually. If you go to British Columbia, right? it's yeah, not that it's, far, is it's it? it's not that far. I mean, Seattle is close to, is probably about two, three hours away from Vancouver, Canada. right? Yep. yep. And Snoqualmie is less than an hour outside of Seattle. So we spent about three days in Seattle and organised an extra day and a half where you go out, stay the night in the Great Northern Lodge, <gasps> which you can oh, do. Wow. Over, Did you over say room 315? I, we didn't get 315, no, but we, we had dinner over the waterfall. <gasps> wow. And you go driving around and the, the uh, sheriff's department is actually, I think it's like a rally driving school or something. Or a, no way. Something no. to do with cars, but the, the external... Building is exactly like what you see. So, do you wow. have any pictures? Yeah, I've got heaps. Can we post some of these to the site this should. week? I think sure. absolutely should. Yes, and it's right next to the mill. <gasps> like the mill is uh, is a couple of hundred meters away from the. Wow! So, incl- like all the locations, so just bang, seen- bang, bang, all there. Yeah. Right. Did you wow. see the doorknob that Josie got sucked up into? <laughs> <laughs> that's where we stay. Yeah, yeah. That's right. yeah. Yeah. Instead of a Bible in the third, <laughs> yeah, third draw down, oh, it's Josie. It was it was Joan Chen. <laughs> I should have signed on for more. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I tell you what, uh, that police force has grown. It's grown by one uh, officer in particular. And you da, into da, da. Bobby Briggs. Hey, yeah. Welcome ha- back, Bobby. Oh, my God. It just goes to show that um, teenagers that are shitheads grow up to be police officers. Yeah. Just yeah, like yeah. their dad's men in uniform. That's right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Nice. Um, so, yeah. And, and you know, uh, quite the silver fox, too. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's grown very uh, suave. Look, his... look, I, look. As, as the only girl in this podcasting quartet, um, 
You know, Bobby was always a handsome man. He had large nostrils, but he was always a very handsome <laughs> man. Oh, well, there you go. So, Bobby was you know, always cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bobby really was. Bobby was cool, actually. Yeah. But he was he was basically a sooky boy, just wrapped up in a tough boy's tough guy's body. Oh yeah. But um, this scene in particular with Bobby is also well. There's notable two things. One is the line that I keep repeating in my everyday life is. I gotta, I gotta take a leak so bad my back teeth are rattling. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it's the probably the first time we really have some meaningful introduction of music, and it's back a reprise to Laura's theme. Oh yes, I yes. Because Bobby stumbles into the conference room, and they've got all of the boxes and all of the archives of the Laura Palmer case laid out. Including that iconic photo of her, which and is also looks faded as well, which yes. is really nice. Like that's yeah, sort of real sun fade, wasn't of, it? Yeah. Of a Even though it's been sitting in an archive box for yeah. like you know yeah. twenty five years. Yeah, yeah, and of course Bobby does what Bobby does; he starts blubbing. And and that's such a trope of the the first season in particular that um, slightly over the top emotion with the Laura Palmer's theme. Yeah, over, and like the camera pushing so, in and pushing, pushing, pushing. Yeah, 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 so consistent. And again, like I said last episode, it's they're using music on much fewer occasions but yeah. when they are it's really nice yeah. Yeah. yeah and and look i think it's um you know i mean one of the things about this scene in particular is it and i think steve you might have actually touched on this a couple of parts ago is that and when we were talking about the fact that there was not a lot of twin peaks in yeah. some of the earlier episodes but there was this underlying Bond of Laura Palmer, Palmer, yeah. Bringing it, you know, this show is all about Laura Palmer and will always will be. And I think that was really consolidated in that one sort of yeah, in this particular scene. Totally, because not only you're hearing the music, but even we know it's Laura Palmer. Of course, we do. But he says it. The character says it in the exact same way that everyone did in the original show, and that mm. is just the full. Laura Palmer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was lovely. I, I And it does bring you back. And, and you know, the third notable thing about this scene is that Bobby is still attached or still in some way related, to, uh, tied up to, with cocaine. This time he's just, you know, investigating drug runs from Canada instead of being one of them. Yeah, well, apparently he's... Because uh, he knows all the trails and all the ways that you can smuggle drugs into the country, probably because he made half the trails uh, <laughs> back in the day. Uh, no, but we do have a bit of uh, tragic news because there was an overdose, a fatal overdose at the high school. Uh, boy by the name of... I think he's uh, Dennis Craig or Denny Craig. Yeah, Denny um, Craig. So we at least now have another teenage... Lost youth, Lost I guess. Youth. Another, well, another death, another teenage death in Twin Peaks that needs to be investigated. Was it really Denny Craig? Denny Craig's lost 20 kilos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> De- not, De- <laughs> <laughs> not Jenny Craig. Right, sorry, yeah, sorry, right. my Denny, mistake. Denny Craig. Um, not Daniel Craig. But, you know, there, there's so many things. Number one, like 25 years later, Coke is still the drug of choice in Twin Peaks. Yeah, it's just yeah. that Chinese stuff. And yeah. and number two, you know, um, there are you know kids are still doing bad things at Twin Peaks High. Mm. It's obviously just not that prominent a theme this time around. Mm. Well, not yet, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we do get a little bit of extra information, which is that um, they were talking about. Uh, Bob, well, Bobby was talking about his dad's death, Major Briggs, uh, and that Cooper was one of the la- or was the last person to see yes. Briggs before he died in a fire. Yeah. Oh, I wonder what might have Ooh. happened there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He left town yeah. soon after. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, no doubt we have not heard the the last of that, but yeah, boy, that's got Evil Cooper's hand fingerprints all over that. Interesting, yep. you say about Cooper's fingerprints. That'll become obvious, or that'll become important later. I think. Yeah, no, I... obvious, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But yeah. We'll yes. get there. Oh, I tell you what, we do have a visitor at the at the sheriff's department. Someone's just arrived on a motorbike. Wally, he's here. Yes. Can I just? <laughs> I'm I'm going to go on record and say this is my favourite piece of television in the history of television. Of all television, <laughs> Michael, oh, wow. Sarah, as Wally Brando. Genius. I, Cannot stop laughing no matter how many times I've seen it. I so, love it. So as a trio, we've, I think we've actually watched this scene a couple of times together now yeah. and it, it, is, <laughs> it is magic. Um, oh, and the, and the impersonation is just spot on. I just wish he'd dropped a few more Brando things in there. So he's dressed like the guy from The Wild One. Um, he mentions the godfather, as you know. You, um, Harry S. Truman was my was, godfather. Harry S. Truman was my godfather. Uh, I came to pay my respects. Um 
I wanted him to drop a few other ones. Like, you know, I've been all around this this country to the waterfront. But not to the island of Dr. Moreau. No, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I've, I've seen Apocalypse now and later. Um, the horror, the horror. I've the seen horror. horrors, yes, the horror, right. the horror, yeah. yeah. I, I, really... I once wore, uh, was on a streetcar named Desire. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to have seen, or I hope that one day we can see the full scene of the first time that because <laughs> surely they had to break up laughing like there's no way you could keep well I'm desperately I, I, I'm in my heart of hearts I'm hoping that Robert Forster was not shown a copy of the script beforehand yeah and that his only just, direction was just yeah. keep a straight face and nod exactly yeah. exactly and I wasn't sure about <laughs> him his casting uh, yeah. you know um, prior to this but I think that this scene for me is consolidated that he is absolutely the right choice yeah. to yeah. be yeah. Frank Truman. Yeah, because he hasn't had any he hasn't had action do, yet, really. but he's had comedy and he's brought that comedy beautifully. Exactly. And you can, because of the roles that uh, I have seen him in in the past and that we all would have, like Jackie Brown and that sort yeah. of stuff, you know that he'll be able to bring that when, when the time comes. So, yeah, it could be, like you said, in, in episode one, it's, it's sad that we don't have On Keen back. But in the absence of that, then I'm still sad pretty, about that. By the yeah, way. oh yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. I agree. But but it's we've we've got a, a nice replacement. If not if not an equal, oh, then I, I just that a, we can just enjoy. a different character. And I you think. need a, for all the uh, the Twin Peaks quirkiness and, and kookiness, the having a straight man who can keep a straight face in in light of all of the weirdness. And we have not even seen all the weirdness uh, yeah. part yet. I can't remember if it's in this episode or another episode where he's literally just got to keep a straight face and cop the weirdness right between the eyes and just go, yeah, I'm well, okay. At, yeah, at, we're fine. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I kind of feel like there are two grown-ups in that sheriff's department. I think one of them is the dispatch officer, the, the female dispatch officer in the back room. Yeah. yeah. And, and Frank Truman. Yeah. And the rest of them are weird. Whatever. Baby... Men yeah. and women, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, but yes, I. Before we depart from Michael, Sarah, um, can, I'd, can everyone take a turn saying Caucasians? <laughs> the first Caucasians. <laughs> the first Caucasians. <laughs> I will never get tired of that till the day I die. Lewis it's and really... his lesser-known friend Clark. <laughs> Look, the, the only I'm only going to mention this because it's a coincidence. If anyone's read the Secret History of Twin Peaks, the first I think. 12 pages or so actually deal with Lewis and Clark. Yeah, yeah. There is some houring to do with their trips. And some secret letters. I think it's Lewis's secret letters to um, whoever the president was at the time. It was Michael Sarah, actually. President <laughs> <laughs> Sarah. President Sarah. Yeah, narrowly uh, avoided getting his face on Mount Rushmore, but it would be, if only he did. His shadow was sometimes to the left of him, sometimes to the right, <laughs> sometimes in front, sometimes behind, except on cloudy days. And, and at night. night. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Have we done? With, are we done with Wally? Oh, well, I, look, hope I think. Ha- look, I think we could go on for hours, but mm. I mean, to be honest, we, we probably do need to move on. Yes. <laughs> but I, I think we look. There's this really lovely sequence of scenes where we go back to Dougie Coop um, back in uh, you know Eddie's home with you know his wife with Janie E and his wife who we've yet to meet, Sunny Jim. Mm. Um, we know it was his birthday the night before. Oh, yeah. Um, the, and look, one of the things, the only observation, well, there's a number of observations, but the, one of the observations that I make is that whether it's Dougie or Cooper, he only wears blue pyjamas. Oh, yeah, In right. In season yes. one, well blue pyjamas. Yes, season totally. two, blue pyjamas. Mm. Season three, blue pyjamas. Totally. It's a that's a blue rose case right there. <laughs> it's a blue pajamas case. Well, you know, you were saying that the you know that Lynch was very specific about the color blue not being a feature. Yeah. Mm. But other other than blue pajamas and blue rose, it's the only time you really sort of see blue. He yeah, wore blue flannelette. <laughs> do do do. Yes. The, yeah, we're going to have Phil doing an entire rendition of that on the website. Yeah, yeah we right, will, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're also, actually, but the, the other thing particularly about this scene where Dougie is sitting on his, on, well, Cooper is sitting on on Dougie's bed, is that he does have a vision of Philip Gerard and the Black Lodge saying, you were tricked. Mm. And I think this is probably the critical line of the, this entire part is, now one of you must die. Yeah. That yeah. effectively sets up what this is about. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We know what's going on now. Mano e mano. These guys are going to go at it. 
And then, of course, and, you, know, you know, it's slightly unfair at this stage because one of them hasn't got a brain. But yeah, but the other one um, hasn't got his liberty. He's in jail. He's, so, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's lost his dog leg, and all he's got is a couple of inept uh, assassins who can't get a friggin' thing right. Well, they're both bereft yeah, yeah. <laughs> at this point in time. But you know, and, and you've sort of had that heightened drama of you know establishing what what this quest is going to be about. Yeah, and then cut to. Cooper clutching his nethers, desperate to pee, and unable, not quite sure what to do with it. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, again, Lynch breaking the tension with with something that sort of relieving the tension. Would you say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and look, there is a lot of places that Dale Cooper has been on that I have not had that that experience, but the sound that he makes. <laughs> Oh my god, I've been there. <laughs> I think we've all been there. That's right. That's six beers in. Yeah, I know exactly what that feels like. Yeah. But he looks in the mirror. Oh, that's so great because that's one of the things I really wanted to clear up is this really good Cooper. What are we what are we looking at? When he looks in the mirror, what does he see? I'll tell you what he doesn't see. He doesn't see Bob. Yeah. He just sees a reflection of himself. Which is which is fantastic. It means that hopefully he's free and clear of that influence and he can get on with the business of getting on. Yeah, because we know where Bob is. Well, he's he's with He's with uh, Bad Coop, right? Yeah. But uh, it's just nice to see him look because the last time we saw Coop looking look at himself in the mirror, it was the, it was the horrifying, very traumatic. For, yeah, for it was traumatic, and I and there is an element of Coop looking in the mirror in this particular scene. Cooper slash Dougie looking in the mirror, and then almost trying to look beyond it, mm. as if there was something. You know, again, you see these very small flashes of of memory, There's which something, were, yeah, you know, which obviously mean nothing to him. But obviously, mean a lot to the audience. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that was put in there for us. Because, totally. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. the character, the, the the character of the good Dale Cooper wasn't in that hotel room. That character never had the experience of looking in a mirror and seeing Bob reflect. Oh, true. Back. It was only we had the experience yeah, of seeing yeah, Bad that's Cooper. So, so true. And and so it was delightful for us. Um, and the, yeah, I feel like that was a present. Yeah. And there's an, I feel there's another present as well in the form of um, Dougie and Janie E's son, Sonny Jim. Yeah. He just seems really chuffed that his dad's back and his dad's a bit goofy and he kind of finds that funny. I don't know. Right? I think this kid is totally weird. Oh. Yeah. Well, how does he show that he's chuffed? The thumbs up. Well, that's like the octogenarian from season from episode oh, one right. of season two. So you th- reckon he's a, like a shelfant kid from another place? There's something not quite right. This kid does not speak, for starters. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. There ain't no eight year olds like that. Yeah, true, true. Particularly if you haven't seen your dad in three days, you'd be daddy, daddy, jumping all over him, punching me in the balls. Yeah. At least that's what my kids do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm. I, look, I, I don't know. My first impression, again, it's only a first impression, but my first impression of this kid is there's something not quite right here. Mm. This doesn't feel like a real, like it's, it's entirely based in the real world. Okay, so there's at least probably a few explanations for that, but we won't, we won't speculate too far into that. I mean, obviously, they could be manufactured, they could be denizens of the, of the exactly, lodge, or there's exactly all sorts right. of different things exactly. that could be. So. Exactly. Um, we, we have the briefest of brief, brief scenes in Buckhorn where... They try to take the fingerprints of the Dong Joe, but they are blocked. Um, Do you want to go before there to talk about um, Cooper Dougie's first experience with coffee? So we're in a situation now. We've got the domestic situation with Cooper, and he's surrounded by his family. His take pa- five in the background. Take five in the background. We've got we've got his son basically teaching him how to eat a pancake, showing him you know this is how you use your knife, this is how you use your fork. But it's not until he has his first. Sweet taste of black coffee that in, we really in Dougie's coffee. Oh yes, cup. this is Dougie's mm. coffee. Yeah, that all of a sudden he does that beautiful spit take. Yeah, if it was real Cooper, he would have said, "And damn hot too." And this is the first time he has said a word that is not a direct regurgitation of what he's just heard. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Hi. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah, he's back. He's starting to come back. The I don't know whether that's maybe hot. Maybe. Hot. Oh, it could be hot. Yeah. But anyway. The power of coffee is bringing him back. Um, but I mean, anyway, had, now I think we've had like three or four diff- small moments where, you know, that tap into the Cooper that we know. Yeah. And I think that's just setting us up as an audience to go, come on, man. <laughs> come back to us. Please. Yeah. <laughs> And Lynch just smiles enigmatically, knowing that he's he'll do it in his he's own good He's like style. the ultimate fisherman, really, yeah. isn't yeah. he? 
We have a very short scene in Buckhorn where they take the prints of the John Doe, so from the the guy with the severed head that was found with the other with, severed head. With, with the, Ruth Davenport's with Ruth Davenport's head, head. Yep. So he's headless, she's bodiless. He's been opened up, gutted like a fish, top to bottom, and they've pulled... Am I thinking of the right thing? No, you are. You, you're skipping ahead. You're oh, skipping okay. ahead, but, no, no, but, but, but it's, it's the fingerprint. So um, Constance Talbot, who I think is going to become one of my favourite characters of this season, actually, yeah. um, can't access the fingerprints of, of her male John Doe. Oh, yes, they've been... Military authorisation required. Oh, yeah. Mm. So if that's not a clue to anything, I don't know what. It's got to be Major Big Briggs, right? You'd think so. Well, hang on, he died in a fire. So he maybe, or maybe he didn't die in a fire. Maybe the fire was to disguise the fact that Bad Cooper chopped his head off, took his body. Well, what's very curious is... <laughs> Force-fed it, made, well, it, made <laughs> it hundreds of pounds overweight. What, so what we no, no, he's always a big guy. Well, he, he's also he was kept a, it for 25 years. This is a thing, right? So we actually don't really know when... So we've just assumed that when Bobby was talking about his father being killed... That it was 25 years that ago. That it was 25 years No, no, I was presuming it could have been last, last week. Ah, well, well, no, but you did so say no, Cooper but, but, left town. Yeah, so after. that's right. So what doesn't reconcile is the fact that Cooper had left town sort of a few yeah. days. Anyway. I, I pictured that in the... 25 years ago. Yes, like soon after exactly. the oh. Black Lodge incident. Okay. Um, but, you know, we'll find out. Yeah. Well, and we, and, and it, we don't even know if it is Briggs uh, fingerprint, fingerprints. We don't. Well, all we know is military access required. So, again, I think we're being, we're being led down a path. Yeah. Because yeah. as Major Briggs always said, that's classified. Yeah. It's true. And then we're, so we're only there for the very briefest of scenes. And then we're uh, back in South, or in South Dakota. Heading towards Yankton Federal Prison, I think. Yeah. And we've got, so we've got Cole, Rosenfeld and Tammy Preston. We've got Cole demonstrating that he still can't hear very well. That's right. I've got what does he say, Steve? <laughs> he says... Agent Cooper told me something about a back lunge. No, I think he was talking about a black lounge. He he was trapped at a book lunch. I think he was, <laughs> he was. I think he was doing a back lunge. I think he had a bad lunch. <laughs> I think what it you're was get- a t-shirt. It was a black lunch. I think what you're getting from this is the fact that uh, Cole still has. Uh, He's still applying for a bank loan. <laughs> He's, 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 we could literally do this all night. We could. Yeah. He's still got issues with his hearing. <laughs> um, and it's to make up for the fact that Phil doesn't really like the scene where um, Albert basically says that uh, Tammy Preston's Cossack and Cole says, Cossacks, Cossacks are in Russia. So anyway, um, the bottom line is we're heading towards the prison and they're going to go and see, Co- well, who they think is Cooper. Um and we're going to back, we're going to see. I think something which disturbs everyone, not and not just us as an audience, but uh, Cole in particular. Are we talking about the contents of the trunk of the car? <laughs> yeah, that's that is very disturbing. Well, that is well. There, there are, there's at least one out of three elements that's disturbing. Well, I love the fact that so he's heading towards prison. Um, Ray, his co-conspirator with Daria and, and Jack, um, who is now currently the only one of those crew that is still alive, um, but he's in. This state prison made me want to think that Bad Cooper wants to get put in prison so he can get to Ray, so he can get those coordinates that he presumably got from um, uh, the secretary. From, uh, yeah, from Hastings' secretary. Yeah, yeah. Which... Who we've yet to see, that is true, I I just... I would love to picture the moment where Bad Cooper's like, well, how do I ensure I get arrested? I'm going to put this cocaine and this machine... Maybe that's not enough. That's not enough. Oh, hello, doggy. (laughs) There we go. Put a dog, I know, because a dog leg is always going to get you arrested. Where's the rest of the dog? Yes. Wow. It's in a. It's in another bedroom with the head of an entire. <laughs> dog. Like a different dog, yeah. And like the body of a cat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, to me, it's just like that. Just screams. I want to get caught. Yeah. Yeah. Put me in jail. I dare you. Uh, but he also he definitely wants to be get put in jail because I feel like he downloaded some. He blueprints did. Or he did. So just schematics. after he, just after he killed Daria, he pulled out that kind of weird box which looked like it might have come out of Get Smart. Yeah. Um. Well, and, first modem. And, and downloaded the the, the plans yeah. for Yankton Federal Prison. I yeah. never thought about that. Yeah, that's right. It's like some electronic schematics or something. So he's got the hacking blueprints, whatever he's got. Um, now, obviously, he doesn't have that box with him going into prison, so I don't really no, know what he, he's going to do with that well, information. He might have the knowledge, whatever he's got, he might have whatever he's mapped out, the secret Or maybe he sent it to someone. Yeah. Mm. 
I think we'll find out more about that later. But anyway, we finally get to the moment of truth. Well, one, one tiny little thing before we get to that moment is as they bring up his face, uh, the, when they show his mugshot. Oh, my God, yes. I was, I was asking about when do we first see his mugshot because it's, it's, it's that particularly moment. striking. Yeah, they, you see his mugshot at about when you're seeing the machine gun and the, the cocaine and the dog leg. And in the background, again, we've talked about Lynch's ambient noise, noises mm-hmm. before. Um, it's the sound of backwards movement as, as you see his face for the first time. Wow, yeah. So yeah, another little true. pointer that we've got a, a Black Lodge guy. And by the way, I don't know how closely you looked at Cooper's, Bad Cooper's mugshot. You always look at stuff more closely than us, apparently, because you always come up with the stuff, right? Yeah. Well, no, no, because I'm wondering, like, it doesn't, I mean, other like from the, from like basically the eyes up, it looks like Bad Cooper, but from mm. like the, you know, sort of bridge of the nose down, it doesn't. Oh, really? I didn't pick that. I did not spot that at all. What are you saying? I think that this might be revealed a bit later, but I'm suggesting that maybe the photograph that when when Bad Cooper is photographed, that it's not entirely. Oh, he's half not, Cooper, like half Cooper, half Bob, or something yeah. like that. Oh. oh, okay, that might be one to look at. Because it because, still, because the nose is quite broad and the face, the, the the lips are quite broad. He's got that down, like, like, down yeah, yeah, like, mm. like Bob's, scary Bob face, like Bob's face. The ones with the, look, look um, Frank Silver's no longer alive, but certainly there are images of him that they could readily splice into. Think like a still, a still like photograph, yeah, right? still fo- uh, still photograph. They got footage of him. Um, yeah, there's no reason why they would not, presumably, if they had the permissions of the family to use that, or as, not even just use his stuff, but basically just some of the mannerisms or some of the yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. attributes. Well, look, I think we can say you make an era of very interesting point. Ah, what an excellent segue. Thank you. Because now we have, as you said, Phil, the moment of truth, the the interrogation, the first uh, meeting up once again of Gordon Cole and who he thinks is Dale Cooper, but Cooper... Uh, doesn't introduce himself, doesn't greet him properly. Yeah, I know. That's, that, that's the word he, the phrase he used, I don't think right? he greeted me properly, yeah. yeah. Well, so this, this uh, roller door blind shutter thing goes up and now Cole, Albert and Tammy are face-to-face with Bad Coop. We know he's Bad Coop. I don't reckon it takes him more than about seven seconds to figure this guy is not the real deal. He gives some sort of weird, awkward thumbs up, like someone who's never given a thumbs oh, up before. Because, you know, his voice wouldn't be a giveaway. And that's not, his voice and that's not how Coop ever greeted it. Uh, Gordon Cole. That's right. Coop always did the the finger click and the exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah, and oh yeah, and then um, and then Cole would respond with something ridiculous like, "You know, Coop, you remind me of a young Chihuahua." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and right. But and then of course uh, the the moment of truth where he says, uh, or on first viewing, I thought he said, "It's very very good to see mm. you, old friend." But if yes. you listen to it carefully, what does he say? It's, you're very good to see you again. Yeah, he says very backwards, and it's it's phonetically backwards as well. If you if you reverse, that, oh yeah, right. yeah, it is. It. It's definitely Yerev. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, and and as as I said, it's all his voice is down to about eighty percent. <laughs> oh, and look, you know, if you hadn't picked that up, the fact that he sort of tells the story about how he was going to see Cole but was slightly delayed, and the fact that he told that twice. Yeah, like um, a glitch in the system. Would have been a bit of a giveaway. Yeah, right? yeah. I was a little bit behind schedule. I need to be debriefed. You need to debrief me. Yeah, yeah. And then there is a there is a mention of Philip Jeffries, which clearly piques the interest and the, the suspicion of Cole and, and Albert. Yeah. There's it also is. a moment where he specifically turns his attention to Albert and... Uh, even though in a in a few moments we talk about the revelation that Albert makes, I think there's more to be there's more explored to be mined too, yeah. and explored between uh, the the link between what Bad Coop was was saying to Albert during these times. I'm sure. And for people who don't remember Philip Jeffries, who's a character played by David Bowie in Firewalk with Me, who we see for really I think we only see him for about forty five seconds. Yeah, it's not long. I mean, there's there's more of him in the the so-called missing parts, but yeah, um, yeah we don't see we don't see him uh, very much. But he's again this he's our man in Argentina, um, and forms part of this Project Blue Book, Blue Rose case investigation type mm. thing that's going mm. on. Mm. And we we see very very little of him, but his name pops up repeatedly yep. over and over. As, one, as a firewalk with me, the agent Philip Jeffries had been missing for two years reappeared for five minutes in the FBI headquarters 
uh, said, we're not going to talk about Judy, which no one knows who the fuck Judy is, yeah. um, then speaks about this time in a convenience store, reveals the, the Black Lodge denizens, yeah. and then disappears again. So that's as, as far as we had known, he had disappeared back into the ether, but uh, we hear that he had been, or Bad Coop claims that he had been working undercover with him. And the only, um, I mean, the one line that I'm still puzzled, I'm still working through, uh, Bad Coop says to, to, to Cole, I've never really left home, Gordon. Yeah. I've got no idea. I didn't at the time and I still don't have any idea. So my notes basically say, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure that will sort of become clearer later on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't even think he really even nods to Albert. And then he got on with Albert. Like, he, it was obviously... Oh, he and Albert were close, right? Were like, close. they understood each trusted, other. Like, you know, there's, there's not a... You know, even when he's sort of whispering uh, conspiratorially to, to Truman, saying, look... Pff, this guy's a bit rough around the edges, but you've got to believe me, he's the best in the business. They were pretty tight. Yeah, he didn't but even it, look like he recognised And also, Albert. he's probably the only person who could tell Albert to, like, sort of basically get pipe, in line, yeah, right? Pipe yeah. down and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so, of course, they have the same reaction they do. They go out and record their little podcast. Oh, sorry, they would have recorded a podcast, except they sent Tammy Preston away. Because oh, my God, was, I'm so um, pleased. She was wearing sent, a wire. I'm so pleased they sent her away. But really, like, again, stupid but not sexy. Yeah, the, old the hips. swish, the old swish, the old hip swish. Um, I, I, look, I know Phil feels mad for it, but um, no, I'm mad. I'm, for, I look. I'm, I'm not saying it's not inappropriate, but it, oh yeah, it's 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 like put a smile to an old man. Bad man's. Cooper's impression of a human being is exactly wow. You know, and I and I, I would turn easily, so you know, and I didn't find that sexy at all. Oh, yeah, right. but all we know is that is this a blue rose? It is the bluest. It doesn't well, get any there's bluer. A, certainly a deep blue filter over this scene. Mm, yeah, and I think that brings us to pretty much to well, what's... actually, no. The only thing is, is that so? I mean, I think you talked about a man in um, Argentina. Yeah. So I mean, I, just to sort of round out the thing, the the thing between Cooper and Albert, which he reveals to Gordon, mm. is that Philip Jeffrey. I mean, Albert told Cole that he authorizes Philip Jeffries to give Cooper some information years ago oh, about no. their man in Colombia. Colombia, yeah. Oh yes. Uh, and then that, and that man was killed a week later. So. And then, and then again, you know, one of the cla- you know the clanger line. I think I mentioned one last week, but Cole says to. It says, Albert, I hate to admit this, but I don't understand this situation at all. Yeah. And it's like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's even the director talking, as far as we know. Uh, the, one, the one really interesting sort of little, uh, little teaser right at the very end is just like, we need to talk to someone about Cooper. There's a one woman who would know him best. I don't know where she lives, but I know where she drinks. And then we <laughs> well, Albert that knows where she drinks. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Everybody, one word is just flashing through everyone's brains, and we don't, we don't want to speak it aloud just in case it doesn't come true. No, well, no, well, no it's interesting you say that. No, because I had, we I, were speculating. There's got, I reckon, there's at least four women that could fit that category. Oh fuck, we better speak all. Well, so three. Oh, right. so 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 why can be three? Uh, my first thought was Annie. It's well, got to be Annie. Like, well, well, well I thought Annie's dead, oh. right? So is she? No, she's no, alive. No, she's alive. She, how's Annie? She's fine. How's Annie now? How's Annie? How's Annie? No, she, well, there's no reason to consider that they weren't didn't continue dating even as Bad Coop. Okay, so then I thought I thought Audrey, but that's because I'm just desperate to see Audrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. And then of course there's the third, which now that people say it makes the most sense of all. Diane. Yeah, Diane. Diane. That was yeah. Yeah, and then but I was also thinking. Um, Maybe, maybe Margaret. I no, I, I didn't. I didn't see Margaret. I, I was kind of thinking of the women that might have possibly had some kind of sexual or sort of romantic kind of in, engagement with him, uh, or understood I'm, him on I'm, a deeper emotional unless level. Unless he's I hooked guess. up with uh, Lana Milford, uh, the the mayor's brother's oh, <laughs> oh, widow, oh, yeah, <laughs> succubus, yeah, <laughs> or Mrs. Tremont. Oh yeah. Uh, but no, I, I pictured Diane just because that's the Gordon Cole. It totally um, makes the, it makes the most sense. It but, makes the most sense. But I guess we'll either find out or Lynch will do his fucking bullshit again. Yes, and we just, never will. No, but we never will. I, I don't know. No, no, no. I, I think this is going to be another anchor point in the, in the series. So I'm okay. pretty pretty hopeful. You're put a stake in that. Yep, I'm putting a stake in put that. Put a stake in it. I'm still I'm still hoping. It's got. To, I'm thinking Annie. I know Heather Graham is not has not announced to become back, but I don't understand how she cannot be, and I don't. Understand how this cannot be 
Anyway, we'll see. I'm about to find we'll out. See. Very um, good. So I guess the, all that all that there is left is for us to be played out <laughs> by what seems to be the new uh, method of outro in Twin Peaks season three, which is and that is flush into the house band. Oh, oh yeah, well, well, the house band for the night, which is Au Revoir Simon playing Ooh. Lark. Um, it, it's an absolute look. I'm a big fan of of music. Um, these guys will, will know, and so I think in the, the next sort of few episodes of the rest of the series, and while we're talking about music, I might sort of make a few notes about the musical choices. But this is a um, it's a gorgeous band. I think we should put a, a YouTube link to the song. Yeah. On the, on the in fact, you can pre-order from Amazon. I think you can pre-order the soundtrack because they have not yet I released all of the I tracks. I think we've posted that on the on the Facebook page. Actually, maybe we have. Oh, good. Well, we'll pop that on the website, DaveAndLynch.com. You can find all the show notes. For this particular episode at daveandlynch.com forward slash part four. This has been part four of Dave and Lynch, damn fine commentary. Uh, we hope to hear from you soon. If you want to interact with us and contact us on Twitter, you can grab us at twitter.com slash daveandlynch or send us an email, daveandlynch at gmail.com. Everything you need to know is on the website. We'd love to hear your thoughts and theories. Anything that's going to add a little bit of intrigue and tell us why we're right or why we're 100% wrong, we'd love to hear from it. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Bye. Dave and Lynch. It sounds like David Lynch. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's the joke. You've been listening to Damn Fine Commentary with Dave and Lynch. For the complete list of show notes and all the links, visit our website, daveandlynch.com. And if you like the show, there's two things you can do to really help us out. First, tell all your friends. And second, take a few seconds to rate us on iTunes. It makes a huge difference and helps other people find us. Look, did we miss anything? Do you have a comment, a question, or a suggestion? Drop us a line at daveandlynch at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on your social media of choice. We're at twitter.com slash daveandlynch, facebook.com slash daveandlynch, instagram.com slash daveandlynch. <laughs> yep, you get the picture. We're everywhere. Thanks for listening. <laughs>